going to be here for a while, so I brought my lunch. So thanks for asking. Good morning. My name is Joey. I'm one of the pastors here at Connection. and Looking forward to this morning. We will be wrapping up our Heart and Soul series today. And going to kind of be a, did somebody just do a woo? Like, thank, thank you. It's finally over. Is that what I just heard? No, I'm just kidding. That was me. Um, no, I'm, I'm excited about this. It's going to be sort of a summary to kind of wrap up of some of the things that you've heard. And then we're going to land on a, a really cool um, time of, of commitment and, and prayer and discernment. Um, we're going to talk about that as we get into it. So you've heard a lot about Acts chapter 2. So I want you to turn there. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47 have become uh, very useful for us, and you've heard it many, many times. Um, but we're going to look at where um, these messages that you've heard, some highlights of each one of those, um, just as a reminder, and, and try to clarify exactly where uh, we are going. So Acts chapter 2, verse 42, let's begin there. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer, Everyone was filled with awe at many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved." So we're going to look at three main areas this morning. And those three main areas are where we've been, where we are, and where we're going. So sort of a past, present, and future uh, type of thing we'll look at today. So where we've been, where we are, and where we're going. So let's pray together. God, we're thankful for the morning. We're thankful for the worship that we've, we've already uh, participated in. Thank you for each person who's here this morning. God, we thank you for a, a little bit longer weekend for, for many people uh, this weekend, maybe to find some rest or, or do some things they uh, haven't been able to do. It's an opportunity to do that as well. But right now, during the next few minutes, God, I pray that you will um, help us to be uh, settled where we are to put all things aside, to hear what your word says this morning. So challenge us where we are right now, God, so that when we leave here today, um, we have some direction, we have some, some practical things that we can do after this in response to what you've called us to do, God. So we thank you and we love you. In your son's name we pray, amen. So I was thinking about as, uh, when I was thinking about looking back, you know, where we've been, looking into the past, it, it, you can't help but kind of think of, you know, when you look to the past, you all of a sudden realize um, how old you're getting. And um, I, I, I realized that very effectively over just the past couple of months. So the, the first thing that happened, um, uh, my 16-year-old son was, was playing some baseball this summer uh, down in Panama City. And, and to take him down there, uh, me and another dad and his son, the four of us were going to travel together down there. And I always like to have my truck because I, I feel um, more manly with my truck. So I, I was wanting to drive my truck, but thinking Panama City is a long way, full week, probably going to rain at least one time, right? Because it rains every day in Panama City now looking back. So I thought about, you know, how's this going to do to get all of our stuff, food and all that? And I've been thinking about, you know, 
maybe I need to do a, a truck bed cover, right? Well, I thought it was a good idea until Lisa, my wife, said, that's what old men have on their truck. Thank you, honey. So we're not married anymore. And um, no, I thought about it. I said, but I think it's practical. So I started feeling more old as if I was justifying it. So I got it. But then it really came to light just a few weeks ago when I find myself every night now going down at 7.45 to feed the fish in our pond. That put me over the edge. I'm officially an older person. I feed fish and I have a truck bed cover, right? So that's just my definition of being old. Um, when I was thinking about where we've been, celebrating this, Brandon and I were talking about it this week of, he, go, he just asked me, he said, just you know, include some of the, you know, just real quickly kind of where we've been because there's so many people who are at Connection now who, who were not with us in 2008 when this started. And none of you in this room, I don't think, were, were with the original group in the Pond House because they were all related to Brandon and Susan, the seven of them, uh, who started the Pond House. And, and in there, there was, um, you know, a pot of chili that, that Susan would cook. Uh, the worship leader was contained in an iMac. Um, and that's where worship happened for a while. And that's how things started in this just in the Pond House uh, doing worship. And Brandon would preach a message and uh, everybody would, would give an offering just like you're supposed to do. And, and he started praying and God was giving him more and more and more every day. Well, then it moved on and, and progressed and began to grow a little bit. And other people wanted to be a part of it. And uh, we moved over to the blue building that's situated behind Burger King. And that blue building was a rehab facility at the time of um, you know, physical rehabilitation and um, it needed to, some conversion. So it needed to be converted from a rehab facility to a worship facility. So we get moved in there and some things had to happen. A wall needed to come out, a pool needed to be filled in, <laughs> literally. And so we borrowed $20,000 to do this. And our average weekly offering was $1,000. So you figure that out um, to, to pay uh, people and it would take a long time, right? Just mathematically amortize that one out over the next, you know, 100 years. It was paid off in seven days. Just more assurance that God was in the midst of this and, and was, was opening doors and showing uh, Brandon as a pastor where he wanted him to go. Well, the largest crowd that ever gathered in the blue building was about 500 in three services. So combined three services, 500 people on an Easter Sunday. It was the biggest crowd we'd ever had. But it was, it was getting very consistent that way. And that's when I, I kind of came on board with Connection at that time. And I remember Brandon asked me to preach. And I preached on this Sunday. It was three services, back to back to back. And I, I can just remember after the last service, I thought I had the flu. That's what it felt like. I was like, I have never been punched so hard in the face. Not because of the crowd, just because of exerting that kind of energy three times in a row. And I told him, I said, Brandon, if we don't move to another place, I'll never preach again. I'm not doing this. This is crazy. He, and, you know, and of course he did it every week and he's just a better person, human being than I am. But anyway, it, it, it was just overwhelming. So we began to pray, God, where do you want us to go? What do you want us to do? And all of us were looking for places in Statesboro. Where should we go? How do we do this? And 
I had some contacts with Statesboro High School and I went and sat down with the, with the principal and the staff and, and, and said, what, what would this look like if we rented the auditorium? And we started talking about it, working out the details. So we go from a, a, a capacity of, I don't remember, 150 to 200 chairs that we could pack into the room at the Blue Building to 1,128 seats. That's slightly overwhelming. Largest crowd we ever had was 500. 1,128 seats. But not only did we have this place, but it was basically portable. We had to set up and tear down every single Sunday, starting at 5.30 in the morning, three full trailers set up all of kids, all of the hallways for, for uh, next steps and, and all the stuff that you see here that's permanent, we had to set up every single Sunday. And we were talking about this this week and we're thinking about every time we close that trailer at 1.30 on Sunday, it's like, oh, we made it another week. And then we'd ask the question, why do people keep coming back to do this? Oh, at 5.30 every Sunday morning these volunteers for 207 weeks, 207 weeks, one week short of four years, 207 weeks we did that, three trailers every single Sunday. We really began to know that God was preparing a way for us to have our own space, kept praying for it, kept praying for it, it made sense financially for what we were paying in rent and, and renting office space and, and, and really combining that into a mortgage. And we found this land, we we're able to purchase the land and God continued to open doors. And, and, a, and on a Sunday morning, Brandon was going to announce that we were about to build. It was gonna be an exciting time. And he, he was gonna announce that and, and talk about giving and how, how financially we're gonna do this. And we had all had that meeting and talked about how we were gonna raise money. And, and right before he walks into the worship center on that Sunday morning, we're standing in between the auditorium and what's the gymnasium. And he said, God just spoke to me. And God told me that for every dollar that's given for this building, one dollar needs to go to missions and planting churches. And I passed out on the floor. I was like, you sure God told you that? I mean, you had Mexican last night. Maybe it was something else. <laughs> I was in panic mode. And then I realized, it's Brandon. I've been, been with this guy for a few years now. And God, you're always doing amazing things. And that's where this one-in-one -one thing came from. This one-in-one -one campaign. God spoke to Brandon and this is what he wanted you to do. It can't be about a building. It can't be about a space. It's gotta be about more than that. And that's how that was, that's how it came to be. So you may hear about numbers throughout the past, looking at, at hundreds of salvations and baptisms, about people going through recovery and marriages being restored. And you hear these number after number after number. And, and we're the first to say that it's not about the numbers. It's about the number. It's about you and you and you. Every individual is a number and you represent someone who God has created and is special. So taking a look back at where we've been is important. So where are we now? Where are we now? What have we been learning over the past few weeks? And, and the first thing uh, that I wanna ask you is, and you're gonna hear this a little bit today, but are you just a spectator? Are you just a spectator? So we've talked about two words, demonstrate and declare. Demonstrate and declare. It's been a message and you've heard it several times in Acts chapter two, 
Verse 42, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So out of this demonstration and declare are the four, four cultures that we talk about at Connection Church. Those four cultures that, that, we, that we talk about and we keep things as simple as possible. And we're always gonna concentrate on those things. Evangelism, serving, community, and generosity. Those four things we're always gonna concentrate on. I'm gonna flip it a little bit this morning. I'm gonna save evangelism to last, but I wanna talk about each of those just for a second to remind you of what they are uh, so you know. So the first one, let's talk about serving. You hear about that all the time. We have T-shirts around here, colorful T-shirts, right? You have, you have orange, you have blue, black, white, fluorescent green. Am I leaving any out? I don't think so. All kind of colored shirts to do different things in the, in, within Connection Church, to serve on a Sunday, to serve on a Wednesday night with, with our teenagers, but every day our service to people around us is to come from what is going on in us. It's not just about serving here. It's really nothing about serving here in my opinion. But it's about what's going on in us and we have to do this. We, we have to show what God is doing. And that's an example is just this bag. We made up some of these this week and it's, um, we're calling them COVID care bags hoping to make your quarantine a little sweeter, right? You may not know it, and it may not have been on the news. You know, who knows what's accurate, what's not. There are a lot of students here who are quarantined. There are a lot of adults and kids who are quarantined here. So we decided to make these up and thinking, how can we, how can we do this? How, I mean, you don't just call the, uh, Department of Public Health and say, could you give me a list of all the people who are positive in Statesboro? We want to give them a gift. They don't give you that list, right? Not really open to doing that. So we thought about, you know, in serving, what an opportunity we have because we've all been affected by this in some way. We all know someone or we know some people who have been affected by this virus. And we probably presently know people who are quarantined right now, who cannot get out, who are supposed to stay at home and are, are you know, tearing down the walls because they're waiting on that 14th day or 10th day or whoever's told them 24 days. I've heard it all now, but you're held up somewhere. So we wanna just make up these bags. Just have a few snacks in them. It has a little note on the outside of it, a water bottle, just something to say we're thinking about you. So one of the things I wanna challenge you, if, if an act of service is something you can do and you know somebody, we want you to grab one of these bags after, after uh, church this morning out there at Next Steps, they'll be available for you to just pick up and take with you, take it to whoever you know, leave it on the doorstep. You know, don't take it inside because then you'll get a bag next week, right? <laughs> just leave it there, ring and run, you know, get on out. You can text them ahead of time so they won't think it's a, I'm not even gonna say it. All right. So, but maybe, maybe, and I think that this could grow and grow because I think we're gonna be doing this for a little while longer is maybe you wanna be a part of, of helping us purchase some items, coming up with another list of items. We just, just did something off the cuff this week just to make a few bags up. And maybe you wanna purchase some items um, as an act of service. Maybe you wanna come up here and help make some of these bags up. And that becomes something God's called you to do. And we can help equip you to do that. It'll be an awesome opportunity. It's your opportunity to demonstrate and declare. And then beyond that, what if that person that you take this to 
becomes someone you begin to really minister to, to really, to really share your faith with, to, to just serve and be present with them in a, in a really rough time, whether it's through Zoom, um, FaceTime, whatever. But after it's over, what could happen because of a relationship that you build? How are you serving those around you? The next one is community, serving the community. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and to prayer. There was an informal and a formal part of worship in the book of Acts. So it took place in the temples and in homes. There was a balance of this formal gathering like we're doing now. And and also consistently sharing and praying together within smaller communities. So a formal gathering, a larger gathering in the temples, and then a sharing in community in in a smaller community. And I thought about during this this time of the COVID, dangers of isolation. As a mental health person, I I see that all the time and I'm starting to see it more and more of people who are really, really struggling with isolation. Some people love it, our introverts. They're like, this is the best seven months of my life. People have left me alone and I haven't talked to anyone. They love it. And some of you, your head is spinning off of your neck because you want to talk to somebody so bad. So you just go to Facebook, right? Start blowing it up there. Please stop. And then, but we're we're really, really, I think God created us to be in fellowship. He created us to have relationships and be, be together Worship is, is also this outer expression of what God is doing. And when Luke's talking about worship, he, he's talking about um, the expression can be different for different people. We have hand raisers. We have you know, people that the hands won't come up be, because their elbows will break. And, and so, some one armors, some two armors. You have everything. And I'll never forget when I first... Um, Lisa and I moved back here and I was serving as, as a youth pastor at First Baptist here in town. And uh, a new youth pastor came into town a couple of years after we were here and he called me and he, he said, you know, I'm new here to, at a church and I'd really like to, you know, just to kind of talk. And we became, we became really, really good friends. And he was at a, a Pentecostal church and um, in, in the Pentecostal church versus where I was, was different. And so we began to pray together. We, we would meet at Statesboro High School and we would walk around the campus and, and pray together. And I learned so much from him and, and just became dear, dear friends. But he asked me one Wednesday night, he said, he said, what if, um, why, don't you, why don't you come over and, and preach for my service this Wednesday night and I'll come preach for yours sometime. So all right, man, that sounds cool. So I go over there to their church and I go in there and their kids are starting to worship and, and I'm just, just kind of standing back, just kind of thinking and, and praying and, and asking God to speak to me and get ready to speak to these kids. And, and um, I don't know what happened, but um, it, it got chaotic really, really quick. And I look up and there's this, I mean, this 12th grade boy who's bigger than this stage and he hits a floor up front arms out like this, face down. I thought I needed to get an AED, and, uh, I, but the Holy Spirit had hit him, and it was attacking people all over the place in a good way, and these kids were worshiping. I mean, unimpeded worship, and I, I was uncomfortable. I have to admit it. I wanted to back up a little bit further, 
and think, whoa, what if something hits me and I hit the floor like that? I'm not prepared for this. I've not really ever been around anything like that. But I started to really appreciate that, that we, we do things differently and it doesn't matter at all. What God, what God is doing in you, that worship is an expression of what's going on inside you and how you express it is between you and God. But allow that to come out, allow that to happen. The third area is generosity. Generosity, and uh, we, we you know, talk about generosity from time to time and, and people get a little bit squirrely when you talk about their money. But in verse 44, it said, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. So what does this mean? What, what did it mean for, for them and what does it mean for us? Are we supposed to sell everything we have and give it away? So even in Jerusalem, it was, it was voluntary, kind of according to the scripture, if you read it, because in verse 46, they broke bread together in their homes. So evidently they still had homes. They hadn't sold their homes. If we look at the tense of the verbs used in the Greek, they are imperfect, which means that the selling and giving were occasional. And Maybe it was particular when needs would arise and, and things would happen and people needed something, then they gathered together to do this. But be careful here. Be careful. This interpretation can keep us in our bubbles of affluency as well. This can keep us inwardly focused to protect what we have and just give when it may be necessary. Call me when you need something, right? Then I'll give to that cause. But other than that, I'm gonna kind of enjoy my stuff that there are thousands of destitute brothers and sisters is a clear rebuke on all of us who are affluent. Did you get that? That there are thousands of destitute brothers and sisters is a clear rebuke on all of us who are affluent. And pretty much everybody who has a way here is affluent. The only reason the government must subsidize anyone is because we have failed as a church. It's the church's fault that the government has to step in and take care of people. Because the church in the book of Acts was doing it very well. And somewhere along the way, we decided, eh, I think I'm going to enjoy my stuff and just keep it to myself. What, Luke's what Luke describes in the book of Acts is a time where the poor man and woman had no shame and guilt and the rich had no issues with pride. I love that picture. No shame and guilt for not having a lot, no pride for having too much because there was a sharing of things. Now hear me. It wasn't an even distribution of wealth it was an even distribution of humanity. It was an even distribution of humanity, an attitude that we're not going to allow someone to live in this and be impoverished. We're gonna step in and help. The point of possessions is that God owns everything that we have. And if we understand that, what we gain comes from God and that he still owns it all, that alone changes our attitude about it. We don't really own anything. So we as a church devote ourselves to serving community and generosity. 
Those three things would create a really nice place to come be a part of, right? Kind of feels good. A lot of serving going on, gathering together, some generosity happening. But we're also called to a fourth culture, and that's evangelism. Evangelism. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. We believe wholeheartedly in being a missionary church. What does that mean? What does it mean to be a missionary church? Well, it it means that we can serve, we can gather, and we can give. But if we are not sharing the gospel, it is meaningless. Anybody can serve, anybody can gather together, and anybody can give. But if it comes without the gospel message, it will rust. It will decay. It will go away. And he added to their number. He did not add to the church without saving them, nor did he save them without adding to the church. Evangelism is a natural overflow of what God is doing internally to each of us as believers. We, we have to share what's going on in our lives and we, we do it every day. I do it. You do it. When you watch that series on Netflix, would you not wait to tell somebody about it? God, this is a great series, man. You gotta watch this one. I binged it all weekend. It's Labor Day weekend. I ain't gonna get up until Tuesday. I can't wait. Did you see that comeback last night? Did you see that hit? I can't wait to see so-and-so to tell them. The question is, do we really believe it? Do we really believe it? Do we really believe that Jesus Christ died for each one of us to give us fellowship with him and eternal life with him. Do we really believe it more than we believe a great series on Netflix? Because we're so open and honest about sharing those things, but do we really believe it? So we've talked about demonstrating and declaring. Next, I want to talk to you about equipping and encouraging. Another message that you heard about equipping and encouraging. And this was getting us out of the pastoral system, out of the pastoral system where where those paid staff really do the work of the Lord and everyone else comes and kind of enjoys what's being going on and you hear about it and thank you for what you do Monday through Saturday. We'll see you on Sunday. Getting out, just destroying that system altogether because the scripture does not really define that when we're working and doing the things that we've already talked about and serving and being community And being generous, that's all of us. We're all doing those things. And it made me think about being in in, in some of the churches that I served uh, early on, more traditional churches. And I can remember um, going to a hospital and visiting someone in the hospital and walking in the room and saying, hey, it's, it's really good to see you. And the first question that would be asked of me, where's the pastor? And in my younger days, I would usually respond, well, he didn't think you were as important, so he sent me. I didn't say that. I did once, but I left that church that day and went somewhere else. No, um, but I thought about that, and, and that's the mentality that a lot of people still have. No, no matter what age, it's I, I need to see the pastor. And that's not what equipping and encouraging is all about. 
We who walk according to his purposes are all called to be in that role. Nobody's on the sidelines. There's no such thing as the sidelines. We had a, a, a death in our church a couple of weeks ago and I was able to spend time with this family and it was so, so awesome to show up at a funeral home and the connect group was there. Her small group was there doing ministry with her. I just had to do a little bit just to, to prepare for the service. But all the other stuff, all the, all the food and all the love that goes on in a time of grief was being done by those who were called according to his purposes. They were a connect group. It was awesome to watch. We're called to demonstrate and declare, equip and encourage. And then finally, we're called to be set apart and sent out. It's the most recent thing we've talked about. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter nine and I want to hit a few things because in Matthew chapter nine, Jesus is on the go. There is no Jesus who is just sitting in one place waiting for people to come to him. He is always going. So look at Matthew chapter nine, beginning right here with verse one. Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. Stepped into a boat, first movement. Skip down to verse nine. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. Verse 18. While he was saying this, a synagogue leader came and knelt before him and said, my daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her and she will live. Jesus got up and went with him, and so did his disciples. Just then a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter. He said, your faith has healed you, and the woman was healed at that moment. When Jesus entered the synagogue leader's house and saw the noisy crowd and people playing pipes, he said, go away. The girl is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took the girl by the hand and she got up. News of this spread all over the region. And Jesus went on from there. Two blind men followed him, calling out, have mercy on us, son of David. Verse 32, while they were going out, a man who was demon-possessed and could not talk was brought to Jesus. Verse 35, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Where a lot of people around here are, are aware of farming and are part of farming community. Maybe you grew up in that, that, that place, but I think we all know, and you can ask a farmer this, I'm pretty sure that this is the case, but the crops don't just jump out of the ground, right? We have not mastered that yet. If you're doing onions, I've never seen them just hop out and jump on a trailer and go to the grocery store. It's never happened. 
So Jesus uses this illustration, send out the workers. They had to be sent out. The vast majority of people are not going to walk into not this church, but any church. The vast majority are just not gonna do it. They're going to be changed by something you and I do outside these four walls. That's what's gonna plant that seed. That's what they're going to see is something. I kind of want that. What do I do to get that? I think because of that impact, they're more likely to respond to an invitation to a smaller gathering of people who devoted themselves to serving community, generosity, and evangelism. So if we are the body of Christ, if we are the body of Christ, then what? What? Because even though Connection Church keeps things simple, we constantly talk about it. it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. We're going to keep things as simple as we possibly can. Why are we drawn back to a system that doesn't work? Even when we work diligently to keep the system out, it still creeps back in. I'll tell you what I've discovered for myself. Even as clear as Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47 is, we will still find a way to justify our own behaviors. If we can be consistent in anything, that is one thing we're consistent in. I think that's because we interpret scripture through our own traditions and beliefs. We find a text that supports our belief rather than finding a scripture to change our belief. It just doesn't feel good to do it the latter way, does it? I really, I've been, I, I've, I believe this all my life. Why? Well, because my mom and daddy told me. Really? Well, they were Christians. Well, maybe they were bad Christians. Who knows, right? Maybe they had bad theology. Are you really reading the text for yourself and allowing it to change you rather than just staying with what you think you know? Like generosity. That doesn't really mean to sell everything. He couldn't really mean that. We'll justify it. And we can see it in other areas of our lives, in the simple things. Think about it at a baseball field. Those of you who may love baseball, or you may hate it and you're at a baseball field anyway, because you have kids, right? But you get kind of drawn into it. Your kid's on third. Somebody hits a ball. Tries to get home, but the ball was only hit the second. It's going to be a bang, bang play at the plate. Ball's there. Your son or daughter slides in. There's that three and a half minute pause of what seems like, right? And you're looking at the umpire who you already hate. <clears throat> He's out. All faith goes away. All religion, everything you've ever learned in Sunday school and connect groups is gone. You come unglued. You gotta be kidding me. I wasn't even close. Right? How many times, same scenario, your kid slides in, safe. And he was obviously out. Did you jump up? Blue, that's terrible. 
He was out. He was clearly out. We don't do that, right? You'd be kicked off the team, probably. But we don't, we don't do that. We, we change the scenario in our mind to fit what works best for us. That, that's what I, I need it to play out this way. This is a, what about politics? Oh, I've never preached on politics and I'm not today, so don't gasp. But when our person says something stupid and people are like, oh gosh, you hear that? We're, then we're like, I think what they meant was this. And it happens to be what I believe, right? No matter what side you're on, you're gonna do that because I, I've put all my eggs in this basket. If I, if I have to change, then they may think I'm wishy-washy or, or, oh my gosh, I might get a label. And just bring up COVID-19. <laughs> Holy cow, right? If I came in and preached in a mask, half of you, half of you would be like, he loves Jesus. Thank you for taking care of me. Being that I don't have one, some of you are like, I'm not sitting 40 feet from him. I mean, there's two different beliefs. Right, wrong, or indifferent, doesn't matter, but we're going to stick with what we believe. We will watch and read the news that most lines up with what we believe rather than maybe watching something else that goes, huh, I hadn't thought about it that way. That would be scary. I need to stick with what I believe. So where we've been, where we are, and finally, where are we going? Where are we going? If the next 10 to 11 years are going to be as productive as the first 10 to 11 years, what happens next? Habakkuk 2 says, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And now we have been talking about being an equipper or being one who is sent out. George just talked about the Equipping Academy and a while ago and, and learning more and, and, and becoming that person and learning a little bit more what God's called you to do. But we feel absolutely certain that this is the vision that God has for us right now to establish communities within communities that are devoting themselves to serving community, generosity, and evangelism. They're not necessarily more connect groups. They may be multiple connect groups within a community. Who is, do, who is doing those things. But there's no gray area here. There's no gray area. A, a follower of Christ cannot sit back and watch this happen. There are no participation trophies in what God has called us to do. You either become an equipper or someone who's sent out. It's, it's pretty plain and simple. There's a lot of opportunities in both of those things. But there is no sideline stuff going on in, in the kingdom of God. God's calling everyone in this room to be an equipper or someone who will be sent out to establish a small community of believers to start something new. How would you know? How would you know maybe where you are? And some of this is sometimes it's kind of personality driven. But Jordan and I were talking this morning and he gave, he really helped me kind of think about it in this way. If you're, if you're sitting in a small group, small group of people and y'all are, maybe it's a connect group, a, a Bible study that you're a part of. And while you're in that group, you're, you're kind of sitting on the edge of your seat. 
and you're thinking, golly, I love this. Man, I can't wait to go do this. I can't wait to go. I can't wait to go. I can't wait to go. You're probably someone who would be sent out, sent out to do something. If you're sitting there and you're relaxed and you're thinking, God, this is good stuff. I would love to learn more about this. I'd love to teach this. I'd love to share this. You're probably an equipper. Not a pretty simple way to, to kind of think about it. But really today, what I want to leave us with and, and for all of us today to think about as we leave from this place is to be committed to praying for that. What are you wanting me to do, God? How do you want me to be of service to you? Is it to be in a, in a place that's equipping and, and you, you remember the illustration, it was, it was kind of like the, the hurricane, there's the eye of the storm and in that eye is, is really where the equipping is going off and those bands that go out are those who are being sent out, sent out to do, sent out to share. That's what we're asking. Be in prayer for where God is calling you to plant your feet to be an equipper or someone who is sent out. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for today. We thank you, God, for how you've called each of us to be equippers and those who are sent out. As we have gone through this scripture, this text for, uh, for months now, and really just peeled it back and peeled it back and peeled it back. You have been so clear in what you've called Connection Church to be. Not just a location, but multiple locations all over that is doing the, your work within communities, changing lives one by one. So God, I pray for each person who is in this room right now, that as they pray for that, they pray openly and honestly about where you would have them to be and what you would call them to do. So God, we thank you and we love you. And it's in your son's name we pray, amen. All right, have a great weekend.